Faith Factor Impact, episode number six. Hey, everybody, welcome to Faith Factor Impact, where we hang out with today's top nonprofit thought leaders to get refueled, reconnected, and inspiration. So let's go. Finally, I just said to him, you know what? I'm just ready to go fail at something. Like, literally, I got to that place where failing at something was going to be less painful than just staying where I was at and taking no action. Hello, Impact listeners. Jay Everline here, your host, and I am fired up to present to you today our featured guest, Jonathan Milligan. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Hey, Jay. Thanks for having me. Jonathan is a successful blogger, speaker, and career coach. After spending several years in an executive search consultant, he turned his heart towards his passion and now spends his days helping those who want to discover, pursue, and develop their passion through blogging. Jonathan has been featured on Lifehacker, Business Week, and Blog World. He is a top-notch thought leader who's doing work that matters and making a difference. So, Jonathan, I've just met you at your local coffee shop there, and I ask you, what do you do? If you could take a few seconds and tell us a little bit about you personally. Yeah, so first thing I would say is I'm a blogger who helps people, and that usually allows people to say, well, okay, either they don't know what blogging is or they do, and they're wondering, well, how do you help people? And I am a teacher at heart. Um, I come from a family of educators, Both my parents were teachers. My mom was an elementary teacher. My dad was a high school teacher and coach, and so teaching's in my blood. Um, And so what I get to do today is through my writing online, I've been able to help people uh, in their career or discovering their gift that God has given them so that they can use that and steward that to to help others. And then, of course, I also help people build online business uh, through the thing that they're passionate about. Awesome. Awesome, Jonathan. Thank you for sharing that. We're so excited to have you on the show. Now, Jonathan, we always start our show off with a reflection. It's a moment to quiet the noise and reflect on something of insight and inspiration. So could you take a moment and share your reflection with us today? Absolutely. This was uh, recently coming out of my own uh, Bible reading. Um, I guess it was about a week ago. I made a mistake, and it was an innocent mistake, but it was a mistake nonetheless. Uh, I was in a hurry, and I was sending an email to my email list, and there is a, uh, a short code that you can use at the beginning of an email that will insert the person's first name in an effort for me to, to try to be personal in reaching out, and I missed that short code, and long story short, it read, hi, first name, to every one of my email subscribers, which is the exact opposite of being personal. It was very impersonal. And so I wrestled with it for a day or two and I thought, you know, maybe people will overlook it. Maybe it's not as a big deal if I'm thinking about it. And uh, finally, I decided to, and this is my reflection, I decided to own my own mistake. And I actually wrote up a, a long email to my email list, letting them know how valuable and important they were and the mistake that I had made and and acknowledging it. And uh it wasn't long after that, I was reading in Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. We know the story of Adam and Eve and how everyone was pointing fingers. And what stood out to me was Adam, who wrote, it was the woman, or he said, it was the woman 
you gave me, who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. And it's so easy for us to want to justify it. Uh, it's easy for us to want to look to others who contributed to our mistake, or maybe we rationalize it. It wasn't as, as big of a mistake as maybe we were thinking it was. Maybe no one will notice. Maybe it'll just blow over. But there's something wonderful that happens when we humble ourselves and we own our own mistakes and we take 100% responsibility for everything in our life. And once we do that, we, we embolden our integrity and we allow ourselves to step forward and to gain trust from people. I, I got so many emails back from people that said, you didn't have to type up that email, but I have more respect for you now than I did before. And I wasn't even focusing on trying to, you know, win favor. I was just trying to do the right thing. And so I think it's encouraging and it's, it's a good reminder for us to own our own mistakes. I love that. I love that. And, you know, as you were saying that, Jonathan, one of the things that popped into my head, uh, I read a book a, a while back called uh, QBQ, Question Behind the Question. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've read that book before, but they talk yeah. about in that book about, you know, personal accountability and man, everything you just said in that snippet kind of sums up uh, the point behind that book. And, and, and as a result of you taking you know, kind of that approach, you ended up, it, it ended up working out in your favor uh, with those who follow you and trust you. So awesome reflection. Love it, love it, love it. So Jonathan, you know, after you, uh, you you've had an interesting journey and um, a lot of uh, different experiences in your life. And so take a moment and tell us a little bit about your journey and the steps you took to get to where you are today. Sure. Well, you know, when I was in college, I was wrestling with what am I going to do with my life? It's where a lot of people are. And what does God want for me? What is God's will for my life? And a lot of times it's, it's difficult looking, um, trying to look that far, obviously, into the future. God, normally what I've realized, especially looking back, is he, he illuminates the next step. He shows us that next step to, to, to take, and it's it's our responsibility to step into that and to take it. And you look at a lot of the uh, Old Testament heroes, and you find that that was true in their life. You know, God was calling them out to something that they didn't necessarily always know where they were going or what was going to happen for them. Uh, but he did acknowledge, in many of them, that they had a gift, that they had a responsibility, they had something that he wanted them to share in the world, and, and he had a job for them to do. And so my journey was much like that. You know, I told people, I could have never guessed in college what I'm doing today, because it wasn't even around. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this whole blogging and online business kind of a thing was was not even really around. The internet had just began to start when I was in college. But I started taking steps, and I felt like that... Um, God had wired me to teach and impact others through my words. And so I started off as a high school teacher. I did that for a few years. But I also am wired to be very entrepreneurial. And so that, um, I began to, to pray and explore what it was that God wanted me to do. And, and I, I didn't always necessarily know you know, the, the next step didn't always seem to be the right step. Um, it seemed to be the step that was in front of me. And I remember when I uh, came to the end of the 
by teaching, and I figured out that that's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I, I stepped into actually taking an, a, a call center job at night, and during the day, I spent my time exploring what type of business I was going to create or start, what kind of entrepreneur adventure I was going to go on. And, and I remember I studied so many different options, and I became puffed up with all of this knowledge but I was taking zero action on the knowledge. And one night, after about nine or ten months of a call center job, after a night shift, I was standing in the parking lot chatting with a friend, and I was talking to him about some of these ideas that I had. And finally, I just said to him, you know what? I'm just ready to go fail at something. Like, literally, I got to that place where failing at something was going to be less painful than just staying where I was at and taking no action. And that started something in me that as I began to take those faith steps, God began to show me that each step was leading to something new and a little bit different. And that, you know, looking back, I, I see that today. You know, I actually ended up buying a piece of property and fixing it up, selling it, which gave me some profit, which allowed me to step into being an executive recruiter because it was a 100% commission job. Yeah. I did that for seven years, um, working 100% commission, and gained a lot of knowledge and careers, which led me to wanting to write about it and share that online, which led me to doing that full-time, which led me to running and managing the two blogs that I have today, where my writing and the things that I create I help people to step into um, what God has for them in their life. And it's, it's humbling and exciting all at the same time that I get to work from home and help others do the thing that God's placed in their heart. Wow. Wow, Jonathan, I, I can't even tell you. I'm over here just kind of bubbling over with everything that you just said. I love your your line in there where you said I'm ready to fail at something. It's like you got to this place. Like I just I just want to do something. I'm just curious though. Like when you say that, what prompted that? But you go right now. You know, you you talk to a lot of folks. You listen to a lot of people. They talk about you know being comfortable with failure. And I don't know that, but that hadn't always been something that you know people have said. And so at that moment, like mm-hmm. what prompted you to even have that conversation with God? And just talk to me a little bit about that. Well, you know, I think it's more comfortable for us to stay where we are, but we have to be willing to to take those steps and be willing to, to go on a journey with God. And so, you know, for me, I think I just finally came to that point where, you know, the, the fear of failing in my life was, was a place that I would rather experience that failure than the fear of not trying at all. So, you know, that, that fear that comes, we have fear sometimes on both sides of us and (laughs) that makes it difficult. But literally for me, it was like, I don't want to just stay where I'm at and just continue to do this and, and not take that step out into the journey of the unknown. Um, and, And so once I began to do that, it's like, God, begin to direct the next path and the next path. And it wasn't always exactly, you know, you look at my resume and you think, well, this guy is scattered. He's all over the place. He doesn't know what he wants. Well, that's the point. God knows where he's taken me. He knows the journey I'm on. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it may be unconventional for me, 
but this is the, the step of faith that God's called me on, and I'm going to be willing to take that journey. And who knows, 10 years from now, I could be doing something completely different. But I'm on that journey with God, and I constantly have to allow myself and remind myself that this thing I'm doing is not mine, it's His. I'm just a steward in this process, and He's the one who's correcting my paths. That's awesome, Jonathan. So good. So, so Jonathan, you know, after you've reached this point in your life today where you're, you know, running two successful um, block sites and, and doing a lot of great work, speaking, uh, coaching, you've written books and that kind of thing, there can sometimes be this perception that things always work out for you and you don't have any problems. But, you know, you and I know that that's mm-hmm. not the case. Um, and can you just share with us, like, one valley moment that you've had that was perhaps the most challenging for you. Talk to us about that, and what was it like? I think the biggest struggle uh, for me, especially early on, was was wrestling with and keeping my heart with wanting to add value to people and not focusing on just profit. Um, there's a great book that I read recently that talks about people over profit. And that was just a, just an amazing reminder for me because I remember um, very early on thinking, you know, I want to earn money with this blogging thing, and so I'm trying different things. And in one particular instant, I think I got into a forum and I was trying to push people to sign up for $47, sign up for this webinar, and and got a lot of flack back from people about, you know, just having the wrong motives and trying to push people to buy something. And just had to kind of check my heart a little bit and say, you know, I need to remember that although I am wanting to take care of my family, I'm wanting to be profitable in my business, I need to remember that people are what's most important, transformation in their lives, helping them, and that people are over profit is something that we all need to keep in mind. You know, whether you're a nonprofit or you're, whether you're in, in business for that profit, um, people need to come first. And there's been times where I've made different decisions that where I've erred on the side of profit and I've had to come back and remind myself to come back in alignment with my true values. Um, my true values are that at the end of the day, the thing that I would like to have the most is trust and authority with people. And that to me means more than anything. And that, that oftentimes, it, that oftentimes is the ultimate gift from a, a lifetime of serving others. And that gift is precious. And we need to be careful that, that, um, you know, our desire for wealth, our desire for money doesn't squash that trust that we build with people. Mm, I love that. So, Jonathan, we uh, we focus a lot on leadership here at Faith Factor Impact, and we're going to get into our leadership kind of section here. And so just want to ask you, you know, what do you define as um, effective leadership and what would you say separates good from great leaders? You, you've had a lot of experiences, so I'm interested in your insight. Yeah, sure. Well, there's so many great principles that, you know, I've learned the hard way and the, through just working through things, uh, you know, reflecting on leadership. But obviously, like most of us know, is leadership's influence. And we know that 
uh, that's true, that you need to be able to influence. And I forget the person who said, if you're, if you're leading and no one's following, you're just out for a walk. And I think that's true for most of us. And so I think one of the best uh, leadership principles is connecting with people on a much deeper level, you know, really understanding the person outside of work, the people that you lead. Do you know their kid names? Do you know their life by name? Do you know what they enjoy, what they like? I think that carries influence and expands influence. You know, there's there's a book that I'm reading, I've been reading called uh, Upstairs at the White House, and it's about um, one of the head clerks, uh, or I guess they're called head ushers, who they serve multiple presidencies. So they've worked for, with Democrat, Republican. Uh, this gentleman worked for 40 years in the White House, mm-hmm. and he was at the service of the First Lady. So he got to experience so many different personalities with First Ladies, and the ones that, that made the most impact on him were the ones who took a personal interest in him. And he talked about how, you know, although he's supposed to fulfill a, a role, that he was more inclined and more bent towards those who would ask him about his wife and would say, you know, what if you bought your wife for her birthday and your wife's birthday's coming up? Or I got a birthday card for the kids. And so, you know, a lot of times with, with leadership, we often think in terms of the bottom line. We think in terms of what is it that we need to do to get the most out of our productivity out of our employees, when instead we should be thinking about how culture shapes everything. You know, when I especially saw this when I worked as an executive recruiter, because, you know, I would see into the companies who did well and those that struggled, and it wasn't always those who produce the best um, product or the best widget, oftentimes the best ones are the ones who had the best culture. Mm-hmm. And people wanted to work in these cultures. And so I think that plays, the people side of it plays a much bigger role than, than we realize in leadership. And so leadership is not just getting people to be the most productive that we can, because at the end of the day, you know, robots are productive but we're human beings, not human doings. And it's important that we remember that in our, in our leadership. And those who had the most influence in my life are those who took a personal interest in me. Mm. Personal attention and culture, huge, huge key points. Love that. So, so, you know, when I talk to successful leaders like you, a lot of times there's kind of this defining moment along your path that really influenced your style and the way that you approach leadership. What was that defining moment for you and what's had the greatest influence on your leadership style? You know, I think it comes back to really understanding how God has wired you. I, this is probably about six years ago. I've taken different personality tests in the past, and the organization I was attached to at the time wanted to do one that was called the Berkman. And what I discovered pretty quickly early on was that this uh, Berkman method, which anybody can look up, was entirely different than anything I'd taken. You know, most personality tests that I had taken before wanted to put me into a box. They wanted to put me into, this is you. You know, they tried to take uh, society in general and divide them into 
20 into different boxes. And, and But what this test did was it revealed to me how God has wired me and how I was a unique individual. There was no one else uh, like me. And I, the, the, when I embraced that, and when I embraced uh, how God wired me, his interests that he placed inside of me, those things that supply my needs, um, the things that stress me out, when I have come to a better understanding of myself, I can then become a better leader. And we forget that a lot of times. And it's a really, it becomes a, that aha moment when you realize that the formula is lead self, lead others. And that when you lead yourself well first, and you better understand who you are so that you can better uh, lead others, you've got the formula correct. Mm -hmm. But so many times what other people do is they, especially leaders, they want to focus on just leading other people, Mm -hmm. and they don't take care of themselves. They're not growing themselves. And so what happens is I think distrust begins to form over time because you're not growing yourself as a leader, and you need to grow in your own knowledge of yourself in your own identity, but you also need to be growing in that thing that you are an expert at, or this mm-hmm. thing that you feel God has has um, put you a steward over. And so the formula is lead self, lead others. And that's what that, that aha moment for me, and understanding that, and instead of wishing I was like some other charismatic leader, and just embracing who I am, how God's wired me, and how... I can be effective in being a better me really helped me. I like that. Good stuff. And for those of you that are listening, and if you didn't catch it, he, he mentioned the Berkman method. And, and no worries. You don't have to write it down. If you're driving, I'll make sure we're included on the show notes page. So thanks for sharing that that uh, resource, uh, Jonathan. We appreciate that. So, Jonathan, I, I just want to kind of get into your head. I want to get inside of your head and, and ask you to, to give us like quick answers uh, here. Can you name two of the top skills that you believe are needed to be successful as a leader uh, that perhaps were not as critical in the past? Let's see. I would say uh, communication, uh, both written and verbal. You can influence people with the words that you write and with the words that you say. And communication is critical. And the second thing is the vision. And I forget who said it, but I know I believe it to be true, and that's vision leaks. Just when you think that you've talked enough about your vision, you're only halfway there. And so if, if you can be a leader of vision who communicates uh, often, and sometimes if you feel like you're overly communicating, you're probably communicating just enough. And so I think those are two critical skills. That's good. I like that. Over, if you're over communicating, you're probably communicating just enough uh, words to live by. So this is kind of a, a really nice transition because I'm going to I'm going to get into this question that we call the genius zone. And, you know, there's a lot of research out there about operating in your area of strength. And you were kind of talking about that just a little bit ago. And, you know, we believe here at Faith Factor Impact that God has given each and every individual what we call a genius level talent. And so tell us, you know, a little bit, Jonathan, about what's your genius talent and how did you manage to focus your time and effort in that space and, and perhaps not get dis- distracted by other things that you, you may not necessarily be as good at? It took me a little while to own it because, as you have probably figured out, 
we often discount our own genius level talent. We discount our guests. Uh, because it comes easy to us, we automatically assume that it, that it's easy for everyone. And it's just not so. Uh, a couple of things that I think have, have helped me to discover it. One is I believe every one of us have green, yellow, and red activities. So if you look at your work activities, your red activities are those things that you do that drain you. Uh, Sometimes we can't get, totally get rid of those red activities in our work. We we'll always have that a little bit. But if your day is predominantly consumed with nothing but red activities, you never get to work in your genius zone. Mm-hmm. You never get that, that creative freedom or that space to really do what you've been designed to do, it's been wired to do. And so there may be some hard questions to ask. There may be a lot of prayer, a lot of of thinking through how to redesign your day to minimize those red activities. Yellow activities are things that we can do, but we're not really energized by. And then the green activities, the green light activities, are things that you can do for three or four hours. At the end of that time, you're just as energized by that. And, you know, those are the first indicators of something that is, in my opinion, that's like a genius level zone for you mm-hmm. um, because you're, you're incredibly energized by that thing. For me, you know, obviously you can get affirmation from people who are close to you because uh, they can see it where you can't always. And so after talking to different people, and I chose a word. And the word was the word that kept coming up from different people. And the word was resourceful. And so my wife helped me put it on this really neat looking rock. Um, Got the word resourceful on a rock that we found on the Appalachian Trail that I have in my office. And it's a reminder to me that that is the gift that I've been given. And I say it's a gift because it's not me, but it's it's something that was given to me as uh, something I need to steward well. And so by doing that, I fully embrace my love for learning and then taking what I've learned and breaking it down to its simplest parts and sharing it and teaching it with others. And I do that. You asked, well, how do you do that and not get distracted? I carve out my mornings to, to do my creative work first. And for me, that is giving space to work on that thing that I believe that God has given to me as a gift. I need to steward it well. And if I need to steward it well, I give you know, a certain first couple hours in the morning for that uh, exploring and using and, and crafting and expanding that gift. And when I do that, the rest of my day works better because I've spent time doing the thing that I was designed or created to do. That is so good. So good. Green, yellow, red, red, yellow, green. Folks, Jonathan has just shared some really valuable insight. You know, one of the reasons we ask this question is because as Jonathan has noted, I mean, your ability to have energy, your ability to really live out the thing that you were destined to do lies in, in you identifying, discovering and staying focused in that area of strength. Um, It will make your life so much more impactful, more effective. And so take those words to note. It's, it's extremely valuable. So Jonathan, I I can't let you get away from this though, because you're really good at a lot of things. I'm sure. What's the thing you struggle with the most? 
thing I struggle with the most is numbers and detail. You know, that is an area that I struggle in. And it's something that I've got to surround myself with people who are are good with the numbers and the detail because I want to live in that creative space where I'm learning, I'm being creative and in repackaging all the things that I'm learning and I'm teaching it, but then I can be a mess behind the scenes when it comes to the numbers, paying attention to, you know, whether it's the financial side of numbers or whether it's the the numbers in the business that help indicate how things are, you know, how well things are going. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in my business, that be you know, in terms of email subscribers and tracking what's working and what's not working. And oftentimes I would get frustrated because I would see other people who are doing the same thing that I'm doing as far as the business goes, and they were just really good at that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I struggled with it. And what I had to learn over time is that I needed to, to surround myself with people who are better than me, things that are important that I'm not good at. Uh, and so that's an area that I'm constantly trying to get better at. Um, but when it comes to the details, it comes to the numbers, that's a struggle for me. Mm, that's good. That's good. I asked that question intentionally because, you know, Jonathan, we've we've talked a lot about, about your success. You've obviously learned a vast amount about how to be effective and about yourself and the thing that you feel really good. So people can get distracted and think, man, this guy's Superman. <laughs> but, yeah. and, and, you know, we have some not, things, that not all. <laughs> right? We're not good at, but, um, but what, what's key here, which I think is extremely important is that you, you don't have to be good at everything, but find people that are, and then that can supplement the thing that you're not good at. And that's completely okay. There's nothing wrong with you. It doesn't, mean that you're you're you know less than or anything like that but uh, do make it a point to get people who are good at that so thanks for sharing that Jonathan we appreciate that very much so Jonathan tell me in in your in your world right now what are you most what are you working on and what are you most excited about yeah so one of the things I've been working on for a little while now and it's funny because we talked about it a lot today is I'm actually working on writing my second book and it's called the gift what you have that the richest man can't buy. And it's a business fiction type story where I didn't want to write a boring career book that most people become bored with. I wanted to tell a story. And so the story is about a character who he lives in New York City. He's in his 30s. He's got a family. And the economy is crumbling. It's falling apart. He's not happy with his work. And his life's kind of unraveling. And long story short, he's on a journey to discover, you know, what is his gift? What is his contribution to the world? What is what is it that God wants him to do with his life? And what did God have in mind for him? And so long story short, he goes out west. His family travels out. He spends time with his grandfather, who is successful in life. And he learns some principles on how to unpack and discover his gift. And so my hope with the story, about eight or nine chapters in, is that people will read it, they'll be encouraged by it, and they'll at least have a path to follow to discovering their own gift so that it can unleash them to go and do great things in the world. I love that, man. That sounds very intriguing, and I love the way that you've taken something that, as you said, could sound kind of boring and 
and package it in such a way that it's kind of like, hey, I want, when can I get my hands on that book? And I will keep my eyes peeled and look forward to uh, grabbing a copy. So congratulations on on getting that second book started. So I want to do a, a small transition here and uh, just uh, one question that's kind of signature to our to our show, um, and that is our ultimate faith factor question. And so tell us, how has faith shaped your success and uh, influenced the way you go about your business? Yeah, well, first of all, I think it's, uh, I think for me, it's integrated. It's it's not something separate I do. It's not something that, you know, it's not a mantra that I say because I want God to bless my plans. Uh, that's entirely backward. For me, it's it's an integrated approach. It's realizing and understanding, uh, and I've used this word several times, that I'm a steward. And the reason I've used that word several times is because every year at the beginning of the year, uh, I do a lot of reading and praying and asking God, what is a, a word that I can claim this year? And the word that I claimed was the word steward. Uh, it was the one that I felt like that God wanted me to claim. And what's, what's great about that process, and I encourage you to do that, is that God begins to reveal the what in our lives. The, throughout the year, I've been on this journey of, okay, God, I want to be a better steward. I want to trust you for the results. I just want to steward well. And he begins to show up and reveal over and over again uh, how to work that that into my life. And so for me, it's it's very much an, an integrated process, you know, and, and the, the verse that I claimed was the verse that many of us have probably heard before, but it's in Proverbs uh, chapter 16, verse number three. It says, commit your work to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. And that's what I want to do. I want to commit everything that I'm doing, even if from the surface it seems like the things that I'm doing aren't spiritual in nature. Everything God doesn't—he doesn't segment things like we do in our mind. Mm-hmm. I give everything over to Him. So whether it's working on something uh, that you know seems extremely business-oriented, I'm giving that thing over to him because I want him to be involved in every part of my life. Just like we would for, for our own child, you know, I'm not just interested in my child over a particular thing. I'm interested in everything in the life of my child. And I think God's the same way. And so, you know, for me, it is, is constantly reminding myself to be committed, to commit my works to the Lord in my thoughts and my thoughts will be established. The plans that he has for me will be established. Mm-hmm. And what that means is, it's not that I'm getting God to agree to my plans, but my thoughts become agreeable to his will. Mm-hmm. And I start to become more in tune to what he is up to and what he wants to be a part of. Then when great success has happened, I stand back and say, what a great big God, instead of saying, well, look what I was able to do. Because when I see how things come together, I smile, I laugh, because oftentimes we think we're in charge. We think we're the leader of our business, our organization, our team. But God reminds us throughout the year that he is the one that's in charge. And I love when that happens. 
Yeah. Wow. That's really powerful. Really powerful. Awesome stuff. So, Jonathan, before we sign off here, if you could talk to your younger self and, and tell little Jonathan a piece of advice, what would that be? Yeah, that is a great question. And uh, I actually have a little Jonathan. I didn't name him Jonathan, but I have a son. He's <laughs> okay. 11 years old. His name's Jordan. And uh, to my to my younger self, it would be this. Don't place such a heavy burden on yourself to discover God's will. And by that, I'm not saying to, to not pursue and include God. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, when I was a teenager, and even when I was in college, I felt this enormous pressure, whether most of it was on myself, that what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? And what I realized is it wasn't a thing. It wasn't a particular vocation that I was going to choose, but it was a journey. And discovering who God made me to be and fully embrace that and be willing to go on that journey. And that journey can mean a lot of different things, a lot of different jobs and vocations. But I was on a journey with him. And so that really helped me because I struggled with that. You know, I struggled with many of those things. And what I realized, what was more important was my heart to go on a journey with God than it was for me to try to figure out um, what that exact vocation was going to be. Mm. Great. Can you share one book that you've read that has had a lasting impact on the way that you approach your work? I I mentioned it earlier, and I would encourage, uh, because it was just a great book for me to read, is the book from uh, Dale Partridge called People Over Profit. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a great book about understanding what being a part of a great organization should really mean. People over profit, folks. Go out and get it. And Jonathan, last question here. Share one tip or action our listeners can take in, say, the next one to two weeks uh, that they can make an impact. And then tell us a little about, about where we can find out more about you, and we'll say goodbye. The tip that I'm going to give is, is something that, that I believe in my core, and that is to be well-read, to push yourself to be a reader and read great books. Uh, because there's nothing that's shaped more of my thinking and, and helps me more than getting in a regular habit of reading. And if you're not filling the well on a regular basis, it goes back to what I said earlier about lead self, then lead others. Mm-hmm. If you're not leading yourself and filling up the well, then you don't have anything to give. That's what's really helped me. And this is the thing that this is the point I want to make. When I got a Kindle, you know, when you first put a book on a Kindle, it says on it, estimating reading time. And that's just your steady reading time. Most books, most business books, most books out there will have between a three and four hour reading time. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about your week, you know, for me, I make time during my day, whether it's my lunch break or different times in the afternoon or sometimes in the evening, we can find three to four hours in our week to read a book that can help us to be better leaders, that can help us to grow personally, that uh, can help us in our business or in our organization. So that would be the advice that I would give is to develop a habit of reading. And where can folks find out more about you and and the work you do? Sure. Well, uh, my main blog is jonathanmilligan.com. 
where I talk, you know, I've got the career articles that I've written. Uh, I talk about productivity uh, and what we talked about today with discovering your gift. And then over on my second blog is bloggingyourpassion.com, where I help people who have a message that they want to get out in a big way online to gain an audience and learn how to build a business around it. So those are the two places you can find me online. Folks, Jonathan mentioned this already, and I've said it before. The difference between the you now and the you later are the people you meet and the books you read. And you've been chatting with Jonathan Milliken and Jay Everline. Jonathan, thanks for joining us on the show today. Everybody, when you have a chance, head over to faithfactorimpact.com, where you can access the show notes page for this episode and all the links and resources mentioned. And as always, until next time, let's go make an impact.